going to sit. Not because I need to, just because I feel like it. And um, it just, sometimes it's fun to change things up, but I think it also, for me, sometimes just changes the, um, the feel of things. And, and I really kind of wanted today, I always want sermons to kind of feel conversational, even though I know that's somewhat kind of silly because they're not, and unless you're heckling me, most of the time I'm the only one talking. Um, but I do, uh, you know, this morning just kind of want to maybe, uh, in as much as we can, just kind of feel like we're talking together. And, um, and I want to say a word of appreciation um, for your attentiveness to the needs of others uh, this morning. I, I didn't mention it in the beginning, but I really didn't need to because I've been watching. Um, we are, in our community here, um, we're an affectionate group. And that's a gift. I love that. I mean, you, many of you are, are huggers, and we, we hug or we shake hands, and there, there's that, that, that human contact, and that's a blessing most of the time. Um, but right now, we need to be sensitive about that, and you have been, and so I appreciate that. I, as much as I hate to say it, we don't want to shake hands right now. We don't want to, to hug right now, because you never know how that other person, what anxiety they're feeling. And you haven't done that, so thank you, I, I really, because it does speak to, to our awareness and our sensitivity um, to each other. But I desperately wanted um, to be together this morning. I desperately wanted for us to have some time, I hope, to maybe refocus our attention a little bit in the midst of everything that, we have, um, that we've been experiencing in this last uh, week together. It is, like I've said, it's... it's um, it's unlike anything we've, we've, ever, we've ever experienced. I, I shared with some of you, I don't think I said it earlier in the service. I might have, but I'll say it again. You know, um, Ryan and I were talking this week. We've got our kids back now. Whether we wanted them back or not, we have our kids back. And Cassie, Cassie moved um, back yesterday. They're going to be doing distance learning now and, and virtual learning, as most of the universities and colleges are. So Cassie came home yesterday. Ryan was on spring break and got extended a week, and he's going to have to fly to, to Tennessee basically to get his car out of long-term parking and um, drive back home. So, uh, you know, we're, we're figuring that out, as, as we all are. We're, you know, this, this reality, as, as we've talked, is impacting us all in very, very different ways, and so we're all having to, to wrestle with it. And so we were talking and, and making plans, and and uh, Ryan said to me, he's like, Dad, he's like, you've never experienced anything like this, have you? I'm like, son, I don't think anybody's ever experienced anything like this. And uh, so, so we are, we're figuring it out together. But we, uh, we were going to turn this morning uh, initially in the plan, and, and the scripture is changed. So we're not going to be doing that scripture this morning because I've, I've changed courses a little bit uh, in, in what I'm sharing with us. But uh, the focus on this Sunday in our journey through Lent was the teachings of Jesus. Jesus and, and some of our, our Holy Land people heard me talk about this when we were in Jerusalem uh, a few weeks ago. That uh, 90 times in the scriptures, Jesus is uh, directly addressed, sometimes as, as master um, or, or other terms of, of um, respect that, that are directed to him, sometimes Lord. 
Um, 90 times directly addressed. 60 times of those 90, he's called teacher. 60 times teacher. And we know that much of his ministry uh, centered around the, the things that he taught. And certainly the example that he gave and the credibility to his words by his life, but, but to, to his teachings. And much of the last week of his life, the Tuesday of Holy Week, um, what we know from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, is that that was a day of teaching. John has six chapters of Jesus' teaching just in the last week, not just on Tuesday, but in the last week of Jesus' life. So I would just re... I changed focus a little bit and started to think, all right, what... What does Jesus teach us? What does our faith teach us? What do the scriptures teach us about facing these kind of moments, this kind of um, experience? What, um, what do we do? You know, what do we do as we, we watch this virus continue to spread, as we watch stock markets crashing, as people are facing financial uncertainty in a lot of ways? Uh, how do we handle that? Now, practically, there's, there's two extremes of what we do, practically. Um, one extreme is we um, pretend it's not real. We dismiss it. It's a hoax. It's a media, it's a media um, created um, emergency. And we just, in many ways, we ignore it. I don't think that's a smart course of action. I don't think that that, that would be wise. Um, the other is we go into full panic and we buy pallet fulls of toilet paper. <laughs> and we, we, you know, just kind of try to, to, to just self-preserve in every possible way um, as if, you know, the apocalypse is upon us. Um, that's not healthy either. There, there's a balance in there us to be um, wise, to take steps, to, to protect ourselves and others, to be attentive without giving too much attention to a lot of, there is some media sensationalism around this, I'm not ignoring that at all, but to also funnel things through the credible sources and the credible medical professionals that can help us to understand how best to, to, uh, to handle it without necessarily going to the other extreme of, of full panic. But uh, you have to use the wisdom God gives you. That's not my expertise. I'm learning like you are. Learning more about viruses than I ever wanted to know. But, but I'm learning at the same pace you are, and, and we're probably reading along a lot of the same sources. So my goal here isn't to talk begin to look at it from, from a perspective of, of what does it mean for us as Christians. How do we begin to um, make decisions about faith? I, we can only take this as it comes. You know, we don't want to project too far out. But what do we begin? How do we begin to understand this moment of time through the lens of our faith and, and through the lens of what Jesus teaches us? Because we, by our very calling, um, should be looking at this through a different lens. Um, we're, we're different. If you're, if you're called to, to the way of Christ, if you've made 
that decision in your life, and probably most of you have because, um, you know, this isn't the Sunday that a lot of people are out exploring things right now. You're here because there's probably, I shouldn't assume that for everybody, but there's a, a rootedness in faith that says it was important even in the midst of this uncertainty to be here. So if you've made that decision, um, then our framework becomes different. You know, Jesus, if we're talking about the teachings of Jesus, Jesus says in um, John chapter 17, when he's praying for his followers, he says, they're not of this world, as I'm not. So we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? That's, that's what we're in the world, but we're of the world. There's something inherently different about the way we understand life and, and who we are. Um, Paul would later say in Romans, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so don't conform to the way around, but be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And, and later on, in talking about grief, but I think this, we can extrapolate this to, to broader circumstances, he says to the church, you don't grieve, you don't handle circumstances as the world does. You don't do it as if there's no hope. Even in whatever the worst circumstances are, there's hope. So, so how do we start to, to connect to that? Because that's not something we've heard a lot about. We've heard a lot about, we've heard a lot about reasons to be anxious and nervous. Uh, but let's talk about the reasons to have hope. And, and we start with this. The very foundation of this is that we don't see this through the lens of fear. We see this through the lens of faith. You know, we, we see all of that, what is happening through the lens of faith. It is not denial, but it is, it is a, the allowance of God to, to work his transforming power within us. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 14, in, in some teachings that he's doing in the last week of his life, as he is, as he is getting close to the cross, and Jesus knows where his journey's going. He knows where this story is going to end for him, really where the story is going to begin, because it's not an end, it's a beginning with the resurrection. But he knows what's coming. But he also knows that as he's preparing his disciples, that this road that they are on is going to be much more difficult, going to be much more challenging, is going to be much more uncertain than they even can begin to comprehend in the moment they're in. And so as he's preparing them, he, he says to them in John chapter 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. Then later on in that chapter, verse 27, he says, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Remember, now connect this to John 17. You're not of this world. Don't be conformed to this world, Paul would say. I do not give to you as the world gives. And again he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The New Living Translation says, translates that verse that he says. He says, I'm giving you a gift. That's the way they said, I love that translation. I'm giving you a gift. That gift of peace is peace of mind and peace of heart. Peace of mind and peace of heart. Paul will later talk about the peace that transcends all understanding. Uh, here's what we hold fast to. No matter how crazy the circumstances, God's still in control. God's still in control. 
This didn't catch him off guard. Now, God's working in it. I'm not saying God's causing it. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. I'm not saying we're not going to face challenges. But what we, were, what we are reminded is that God's in control and God is with us. Go back to the 23rd Psalm. Go back to the story of Jesus healing, or Jesus um, calming the storms uh, when he's in the boat. It is a reminder that in the midst of the waves that are rocking and the wind that is blowing and the rain that is coming down, there's somebody in the boat with us. And that becomes... The, the focus for us, that becomes the focus of faith. It begins to take our eyes off that which we are afraid of, and it focuses us on the one who is with us and the one who is our strength and is our hope. Do not be afraid. That is, this, by some estimates, you can find that phrase about 365 times in the Scriptures. Old and New Testament, do not be afraid. Angels speak it when they bring messages of God. God speaks it when he calls his prophets and leaders. Jesus speaks it to his disciples. Paul speaks it to the church. God speaks it to us. Now, hear me say that does not mean that we don't have moments of fear. And that is, it is not sinful. Fear in itself is not sinful. If the building's on fire, fear is what gets you to leave. Fear has a place when it drives, when it is responded to appropriately. We are all washing our hands better than we ever have in our entire lives because we are fearful of germs and viruses and things. That's good. That's good. But fear becomes crippling when it becomes so overpowering that it drives all that we do. That it becomes, it drives us to destructive behaviors, abusive, addictive behaviors, behaviors of anger and, and um, resentment. When it begins to become the dominant emotion that drives action, it's become, we've given it center. Uh, we've, we've allowed it to become the center of our lives. Here's the thing. Um, fear will knock at your door. But hear me say this. You ain't got to open it. You don't have to open it. You don't have to let it in. And I know that's hard. And I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not telling you I've got it. Tony's sitting over there. She knows the conversations we've had all week. We've wrestled with it. We've had moments of, of you know, what ifs and how will this affect and what's this going to mean. So, so I get it. Don't, don't, uh, don't look at me up there as the, as the um, paragon of virtue who has got this figured out. You know, I write these words sometimes and they go, oh, that hurts. God, because I'm not doing it so well either. But we don't need to live in a state of fear. We're called to live in a state of faith. Not to panic, but to find peace. Not to be fearful, but to have faith. That's what drives God's people. Now, our, our tradition, our heritage is Wesleyan. We're Wesleyan Methodists. And that connects us to the ministry of John and Charles Wesley and in, in Britain or England in the early 18th century. And part of the catalyst of that movement, of, the, of the, the heart of John Wesley, was an experience that he had when he was on a boat, he and his brother, coming from England to Georgia for ministry. He was coming to be a missionary to evangelize the Native Americans and to be in ministry in, in Savannah. And a side story is it did not go well for him. And uh, which is which is a whole nother conversation. But on the way over, the boat that they were on, 
I began to experience a dangerous, threatening storm. Some of you may know the story. The, the, uh, the sails were torn. The boat was in peril. People were panicked. They were terrified, and people were crying out and, and fearful in, in every way possible. And in the midst of all of this, as, as John West himself was scared to death, he said there were a group of German Moravians that were there. And in the midst of the storm, they gathered and they prayed. In the midst of the storm, women, children, men gathered and prayed and sang songs of worship as calm as could be. And when the danger had passed and he had a chance to talk with them, he asked them, how could you be so calm? And they said, because we're not afraid to die. Not afraid. Fear's not the dominant emotion. They weren't welcoming it. They weren't wanting it. But they weren't afraid of it. And it changed Wesley's perspective. He hungered for that kind of faith. And he sought it until, if you know the story of Aldersgate, he had his heart strangely warmed. And he felt for the first time that kind of love and peace and faith instead of fear. And it catalyzed a movement. And we're a part of it. So we live by faith, Paul says. God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power and of, of love and of self-discipline. So that becomes the, the focal shift for us. It becomes a challenge for us. That's the gift of prayer. You know what? We may have to stay in. We may not be able to go out and congregate, but you know what? We can pray. And when the fear begins to overtake us, to put our eyes and turn our eyes upon Jesus, just like we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. So faith, not fear. Now, a couple other things I want to say that drives not just what we believe, but how we behave. And that is this. We continue to be sacrificial, not selfish. We must be sacrificial, not selfish. Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for others. We are called to the way of Jesus. So let me go back, let me circle back to the point, and let me challenge you. If you have 30 packets of toilet paper at home, that's not sacrificial. And if I'm stepping on toes, I'll take the chances. If you have a closet full of Purell, that's not sacrificial. You need some, that's fine. But we have seen situations like this bring out the best in some people. But it brings out the worst. And there are people out there who have needs that can't get supplies because people have hoarded them. Now, I can't speak to them, but I can speak to us. It can't be us. It can't be because that's not the way of Jesus. It's just, it, it's not. Paul says to the church that we look out for the interests of others. He writes that to the Philippians. He says, we look to the interests of others. We look for ways to serve others, even in this. I'll tell you one of the things that made me so proud as a pastor of this church this week. Walked in the office on Tuesday. Walked in the office on Wednesday. Some of you might have been over there. If you came to the office this week, in the midst of all of this going on, you'd be tripping over cereal boxes because so many of you brought them. So many of you said, yeah, you know what? We do know that we have needs and we got things we need to get, but we are going to help take care of others. We were out here yesterday in the midst of it all. And, and I know not everybody can be here. And if you're a volunteer and you didn't feel comfortable coming, that's okay. This is not about criticism in any way. We need people to do what is best 
given their circumstances, use that wisdom God has given. But I was so proud that we were here. And, and Jimmy and Lori and the volunteers figured out a new way to distribute food to people who are in need that took into account the situation, that changed the distribution method, but not the mission. The method changed, the mission did not. And people got the food they need because they're still going to have to eat. And we aren't going to stop doing that unless they make us and they ain't going to make us. Because the story of the people of Jesus are people that say we will care for others even at our own peril. Even at our own risk. We will be about the work because we're called to be sacrificial. And so we are able to combat the, the pervasive anxiety of self-preservation by saying we're going to be, self, or we're going to be um, selfless and we're going to be serving. So that becomes, that, that was, you know, in Acts chapter 2, you remember the people of Jesus who had watched Jesus, they started to take ownership of the ministry. Now Jesus has ascended. So it's like, okay, now it's in our hands. So remember Acts chapter 2 tells us that they met together, they prayed and they worshiped and they held everything in common so that nobody was in need. So that nobody was in need. So they were sacrificial. We're called to be sacrificial because the last point is this. We have the opportunity, even in the midst of all of this, to shine the light of Jesus. We have the chance. to. God's going to provide opportunities for the love of Jesus to be shown, and we get to be the instruments to do it. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, again, we keep circling to the teachings of Jesus. Five, three chapters in Matthew of teachings of Jesus. He says this, he says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In the time of fear and anxiety, we get to be hope dealers, light shiners, love givers. That's, that's who we, we get to be. And I challenge us to be it. And it may be simple ways. People are stressed out. Have you been to Publix or to Costco? I mean, it's a madhouse at times. And there's people serving and trying to work and check people out and provide and do the very best they can. You know, be the smile they need. Be the encouraging word they long to hear. Don't be impatient. Somebody cuts in front of you, let them go. And I'm the worst at that. Lord, forgive me. Let them go. Let them go. And find ways to be light givers. I believe that God works to good in all things. Paul tells us that. The scriptures affirm that. This is not a good situation. But God will do good in the midst of this situation. If we hold fast to who we are called to be. And I believe that. I believe that this virus may be contagious. But my prayer is that our love is even more contagious. That's, that's who we get to be. So the love of God, that we hold to faith, not fear, that we are sacrificial, not self-serving, and that we shine a light, that we don't hide it. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We may face some difficult days, but we will not face them alone. I go back to the scripture that we anchored ourselves on just a few weeks ago. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let him be your strength. You know, as a kid, I can remember being with my dad and holding his hand. As a little guy, his hand just felt like it just enveloped mine. Just, I got lost. My hand would be lost in his. But I knew that when he had my hand, I had his strength. I knew that when he had my hand, I had his protection. I knew I didn't have to be afraid of anything because dad was there. He had me by the hand. Friends, take God by the hand. Let his strength be your strength. Let his courage be your courage. Let his power be your power. And do not be afraid. Amen. Lord, even in a day like today, we are blessed because while we face uncertain times, we do not face them alone. Lord, we want to take your hand. We want to know your peace. We want to trust your presence. And may that give us courage and hope and confidence and faith in these days that we face together. Be with us. Strengthen and guide us. And deepen us in our trust in you. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen.